You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. In today's program, Father Paul continues his discussion of Genesis chapter 26, reiterating the unique role of Isaac in the story while highlighting critical Hebrew wordplay that is simply untranslatable. I am happy to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. Isaac is special. In his own way, he's not special the way Abraham is special, but he's special in the sense that Abraham came from outside and died in Canaan. Jacob was born in Canaan and died in Egypt. The only one who was born in Canaan never left Canaan even to look for a wife and died in Canaan is Isaac. That is tremendous. But it's obviously a story. So when you say, I want to be like Isaac, you don't do like the Orthodox. You go and look at the icon of Isaac that you purchase for $300. That is the iconic Isaac. I'm talking about the scriptural Isaac. And his name is momentous because God is making fun of you. How could he ask you to live forever in the apartment of your neighbor when you have an apartment? On the way back from visiting my son, I had next to me a psychoanalyst who happened at the end. She told me she was a Jew and she was interested in what I was doing and I was sharing with her at one point. So you are saying that God in scripture He's a badass. I said, you said it, and I agree with you. (laughs) She got, you can't manipulate him. After the definition of Aristotle, of what the good is. Notice this abhorrence. Kalogakathia. The kalos and the agathos. You have to be good and beautiful at the same time, exactly as our icons are. I mean, are you kidding? Are you kidding? And it's an article of faith in orthodoxy. You're talking about yourself. About Venus, when the sculpture realized that he should not make the arms because she would not be as perfect as she would like. Talk about these examples to those Greek friends of yours. Ridiculous. Now, if I were a real Greek Orthodox, I would have said, you see the sculpture was already foreseeing 
the ugliness of Christ on the cross and he did not want to I mean is that for real as Archbishop Elpidophoros made Helen the mother of Constantine the Theotokos friends please please okay make sure not to cry when I pass on cry after I pass on because you're not going to hear these things and you're going to fall into Kalugakathia and no that's not what the text is saying and this is one of the harshest chapters and notice it is introduced with because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments. And you will realize soon that God is going to force Isaac to stay there against all odds. And he begins with the same story as with Abraham about his wife, which he presented as his sister Rebecca. But remember, in this case, there is a point because they were still young. Whereas Abraham earlier in 20 and 21, he was old. When he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines. Abimelech is a powerful name, which is my father is king, meaning the king is God and so on. And you could play. You see preparing the play on the story of Samuel, where the people under the pressure of the Philistines wanted to have a king like the other nations. Now, people are telling me I'm looking ahead. It's because I'm making a podcast. But I don't need that. I would just listen to this. And when we get to 1 Samuel, I refer to that. It doesn't matter. By the second time you're hearing scripture, you'll figure out what's going on. That there is only one king, which is God. And notice the play here. And so Isaac fondling Rebekah, his wife. And the verb is the pi'al of sahak, which is laugh, mesahek. Again, it's a play on the root sahak, yishak, which you cannot render in translations. Very often people decide whether he's forcing himself and so on, as in the case of Ishmael and Isaac and so on. It's ridiculous. It's the original sound that is important. And Abimelech, behold, she's your wife. Why did you say she's your sister? Abimelech said, and you have brought guilt upon us. In this, it rejoins your story of Abraham with Pharaoh. And Abimelech warned all the people, saying, Whoever touches this man or his wife shall be put to death. This story of correcting oneself on the part of an outsider, we will hear it again in the story of the rape of Dina in 34, where at the end, the trouble 
was brought upon the people, not by the young man from Shechem, but by the two older brothers who forced the Shechemites to be circumcised and then as circumcised and thus as their brothers killed them. And you know, the ending of that chapter, Jacob told his sons, now we cannot live in peace with the nation surrounding us. Again, this is chapter 34. But when you get to 34, you cannot not remember chapter 26. And Isaac sowed in that land. So the author is describing him that he's really settling, you know, when you get into agriculture and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy just by being Isaac. Later on, you will hear how Jacob had to toil for his uncle seven years plus seven years. He had possessions of flocks and herds and a great household so that the Philistines envied him. Okay, whenever you have herd, it makes it and even more camels, an expression of great richness. I mean, uh, you should not take it literally, and thus he was not a shepherd and so on, because later at the end of Genesis, you hear that our fathers were shepherds and we are shepherds. The stress is on that. So herds and camels is the expression of ultimate richness, which do exist in the wilderness, but this is not ultimately shepherdism, the flock. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled the earth, all the wells which his father's servants has dug in the days of Abraham, his father. Wells are very important. It's like the oases and so on. You know, if you stop them, then you cannot have water. You cannot live. Okay. Remember the well of Jacob, which is picked up in John chapter 4 and so on. Very important. I mean, I lived in Lebanon and when you go to the villages like Next to Balaman, I mean, Richard, you remember that? You had Qalhat, which is the immediate next door. And you had a fountain there. The people would go from home and fill their containers with water from the well. Okay, that's the way it is. And Abimelech didn't want his people to get in trouble with the people of Isaac and envy and so on. So he asked them to go away. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac went from there and Yihan, it's a verb that is from the same root as encampment. So he encamped as intense in the wadi or torrent or deep river of Gerar and Wayeshib Sham. It's very powerful. So he uses at the end Yashab to dwell, but this happens in Gerar 
and Nahal has the connotation of torrent water, like a wadi, you know. When it rains a lot, then you could see the river. If not, it's like in Petra for those who visited there. So the combination, again, in the original, is very powerful. That it's in Gerar, the water ultimately is expressed not through a well, but through a nahal, which means it's a water when it rains, given by God, and he dwelt there. Very rich words. I did my best to use the Hebrew to understand the play that is practically impossible to render, because when you hear it in English, you think that, you know, it's the U.S. cavalry that is encamping in Nebraska, and, and they settled there, and John Wayne. and so, No, that's not the idea. The idea is that the author is reminding you that Isaac obeyed the command of God. And it is there that he dug wells that were stopped, besides the one that were stopped by the Philistines, you know. Okay, that were dug in the days of Abraham, his father. Again, the connection, and the Philistine had stopped them after the death of Abraham, and he gave them the names which his father had given them. Okay, notice the connection between the Lord's command to Abraham to do what he wants and the command to Isaac. It's the same. And then the servants dug in the valley and found there a well spring of water. But again, you have the introduction of the quarrel between shepherds. Okay, notice the English has the herdsmen of Gerar, while the Hebrew has Roe Gerar, the shepherds. And that for me is inexcusable. And you have the root, Rib, to quarrel, to debate, mainly in a court of law, as we shall hear it in the prophets, with God bringing his people to judgment by arguing with them. Okay? So, the Ro'e with the Ro'e, that reminds you of Abraham and Lot. See, just to go back to chapter 25, that you could see that ultimately the intention is to force the human beings to understand they share the same earth and they have to live on it. The earth is not a possession, and that's why my stress always on inheritance rather than possession as we have it in most modern Bibles. And I mentioned this earlier in one of my podcasts, a big irritation for me that in the book of Hebrew grammar that I opted for to teach the people of the Twin Cities, the author, who's very important scholar, you know, systematically translates as the meaning, I mean, in the lexicon, Yarash as possess. I mean, this is diabolic. Because a North American student learning from this book 
will assume that Yarash means to possess because that student don't know what Yarash is. And these twists to make the text flowing into the language of Shakespeare is satanic. You have to force the people to hear it in the original. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network. 